Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're going to talk about familiars and animal companions. Yep. Way back in the time machine, I was playing AD&D. I considered playing a wizard. And one of the first spells, well, the first spell is always Magic Missile. But the second spell I looked at, I don't know what level it was, but it was uh, Find Familiar. And it was this big, long write-up about everything that, that would happen. It took one, between 1 and 24 hours. And a familiar is that age-old wizard uh, thing of you have a cat, a bat, or a rat. No, it's not Dr. Seuss time, but I thought about it. A rat? A cat or a bat. Uh, you, would throw this, you would cast a spell, which would take a long time, and you would hope that there was an animal within 100 feet, or was it a mile? I forget what it is. It's been 40 years. And it would come to you, and it would become your familiar, and it would grant you certain powers. Like if it was a, a cat, it'd give you bonus to dexterity. If it was a, a bat, it could give you like a... I don't know what a bat would give you, but you could also, you could see through the, through the animal's eyes sometimes. You could communicate with it telepathically. Yeah, it was a special creature. It had a higher than normal intelligence for a creature of its kind. So I thought that was pretty cool. So what kind of familiar did you get? I, I never took the the familiar i never took the i never threw that spell because i saw some big negatives to it right one was the the it was random which you never you didn't get to choose that your animal familiar you would randomly roll on this table and no there was nothing terrible on this table there were some things that spiders uh no that didn't come out till like maybe third edition they were very a rat a bird some type of bird cat of course a weasel just interesting little animals that would you could have as a familiar and then they had a special one like if you roll a certain because you roll on this table and it was a special and then the last one was like no animal present <laughs> so you just spent this and it was like ten dollars ten dollars uh, ten gold pieces worth of stuff to would be expended and time when you threw the spell you could throw, throw a spell again so I, I I was remembering that, and I'm like, I'm like, how is it different now? So I, I was I looked at the fifth edition, and it's not well. It is quite a bit different, right? Because back then it was an actual animal that would come to you. In fifth edition, and I don't remember third because I didn't look up third, but in fifth edition it's more like a like a spirit because it just appears. These and are it, familiars. These are familiars, not animal companions. No, these are familiars. So. In 5th edition, Animal Companion spell, you would throw the spell only 10 minutes, not up to 24 hours. You automatically get the, the, the Animal Companion. You get to choose your Animal Companion, and it would just appear. It would appear and disappear at whenever you wanted to. Like It would go into a own pocket dimension, it's called. And then, unless it got attacked and got to hit zero hit points, it would just disappear, and and you would have to throw the spell again. But and there would be no adverse effects to you as the wizard or sorcerer, or something else that can throw the spell. And druid. so, uh, I'm not sure druid can cause fine familiar. I remember back in the the special chart for uh, it depended on your alignment. If you were chaotic evil, no. If you're lawful neutral. And lawful, e lawful neutral, no, 
neutral evil and lawful evil, you would get a certain kind of animal. If you got you were lawful good and neutral good, you get a certain kind of animal. If you were chaotic, you know, good, you get a certain kind of animal. I, the one I remember was a pixie. I think it was chaotic good. I think unlawful evil, you'd get a homunculus or an imp, right? This is AD&D, uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And, but the thing was, is that you would have, it would have so many hit points, this animal. And you could use it for anything. You would listen to your commands. You could see through its eyes. You could see and hear stuff. And it would, it would, uh, it would do what you wanted to do. But the problem was, as a wizard, if you, they killed it, somebody killed your familiar, you would have to roll on this thing that rarely used, as I remember, called System Shock. Which was based on was like a percentage. Wow, percentages in AD&D. Yes, they had them, and it was based on your constitution. And as I remember, a lot of wizards didn't have really high constitutions. You know, it was like twelve, thirteen was a high. Because you had to put the higher points in other things to be a wizard, right? Like right. intelligence. Intelligence. You needed intelligence. And back then, you rolled six dice and moved on to the next, the next one. So if the GM was liked you, he would let you move the. The numbers around like oh i you wouldn't have to put them in order right <laughs> like the first one is always strength and then it's dexterity then constitution wisdom intelligence charisma right in that order they would let you well i'm gonna use my higher one intelligence so i can become a wizard so the animal companion you would have to roll uh, the system shock and the system was a percentage roll and if you failed your system shock you were dead that sucks and in fifth edition the animal just disappears well, because people probably got upset that they died. Hello? Okay, so I really like the idea of an of a animal. Of a familiar? Of a familiar, because I think it really adds a little bit of, like, I don't know, pretty coolness to your wizard or your sorcerer. And, you know, you have this cat walking around or a, or a bird. A bird would be cool. A weasel. Uh, some other ones, like, uh, in 5th in edition, you could be, have a spider. Now, I don't know if I want a spider familiar. It would keep people away from you. Freak me out, too. But I think it would be interesting. Now, the, the idea that if you could look through the familiar's eyes and you could telepathically communicate with your familiar is kind of interesting because <laughs> depending on how the GM would take that information, right? The, for example, let's say you have a... A weasel, doesn't matter, is you're familiar. And you send them out to like, look, go over there and see what, what's down in that thing. What's that, the campfire. So a weasel goes down there and is like looking at it. And it could do two things, right? It could like, it could just see what it sees in its little animal brain. A smart animal, but still, still animal brain. And, and communicate that to the player. The player. What do you see, uh, Tweaky? And Tweaky goes, I see two big, three, uh, I don't know if you'd be able to count. Well, if you're looking through I see many two-legged big things, right? If you're looking through its eyes, wouldn't you just see what it's I, I don't, I'm not sure about looking through the eyes, though. Oh, okay. I think it could, it could definitely tel telepathically communicate. And so it would telepathically communicate that. What Would it communicate that or would it say, oh, I see 15 orcs and they're talking about raiding the, the town ne next? Well, if it was a weasel... I wouldn't let it say that. 
Okay, so you would take a different tact, and then like like somebody I I forget where I read it read it, I probably read it on Reddit. This guy goes, well, I would say he was talking about a I forget what kind of animal it was, but if you he'd be he'd be going uh big big two legs big, and then it, it is, and then the person would ask it how many, and then all of a sudden he goes he's like uh many. Right, <laughs> and he's like, suppose this happened in his game, and then the, the the player asked him a question, and then I don't think it was a weasel, it was something else, and then he goes squirrel, <laughs> and he starts chasing the squirrel. Right, see, so I don't know how much good control you would have over this familiar, and how comical of the situation you would want to be included, and how much control you have over this thing, because if you, if it will listen to your commands, it will listen to your commands, but then it, it will it Will it, it do exactly what you want it to. Right. right. It is a, it is a, it's, it's a familiar. It's a, it's it's a real a, animal. Yeah. At least in the old days. In the new, it's more like a spirit animal, but it acts like an animal. People can see it, people can grab it, people can kill it, right? It can take damage, so but then it just disappears into the nothingness. And you can, you can tell the familiar in 5th edition, you can tell the familiar, uh, just go away from right now. And it will go into a little step, step and you, it disappears and it goes into a pocket dimension where nothing can touch it, right? So, so you keep it safe. Keep it safe. Oh, well, I think that's interesting because <laughs> if you're animal companions and familiars are, are something that a lot of players want to play or have, right? Because there's different reasons. They, they get to do two actions. They get an action for each or, or however the actions work. They get to, to play twice. Right, right. But the idea that if you're sending the familiar to look at something, I think it's a good idea to, to think about what that animal is going to tell you. Because if it's a cat, it's... Maybe it was a cat. I don't know. I don't know that one with the squirrel. Do cats care about squirrels? Cats will, will well, they like to chase things and That's play with true. it. That's true. Definitely, yeah. So I think you're right. I think uh, you'd have to kind of wonder how all kinds of things worked out as to how it would work. Yeah. Like, for example, that whole idea of the familiar being distracted yeah. by something that it finds interesting. Yeah, because it might be trained, but it's dogs are trained and they see squirrels and that's it. Well, depending on how well, trained they, they train are, yeah. they are. You well, and those. a familiar may not be that trained if you're just pulling it from pocket dimension. Yeah, from the netherworld or the air. I think uh, another thing is how much do they know, right? How much do they understand? Like, like let's say that weasel or the cat is next to these uh hidden but is next to these orc encampment does it recognize what they're saying now in one this one guy in reddit he, he talked about this uh gm he goes well i let them and he got a lot of flack for it i let the familiar understand the language that the wizard speaks Hmm. I go, well, wizards can know a lot of languages, right? Because that's in part connected to their so intelligence. So the familiar has a lot of arcane knowledge. <laughs> it can understand orcish, goblinish, dragonish. Because they've got like eight languages or something like that. that because their intelligence is so high. Right. So it would understand quite a bit. So here's but, the orc. Could it convey it to you? That's the question. Well, would it, yeah, but see, that's what he said, that if the wizard understood it, a language, then their familiar would understand the language. So he would 
tell them exactly what's going on. Like the the orcs are planning a raid. Oh, they're planning a raid uh, in about uh, six forty-five tomorrow morning. You know what I mean? That is one way to disseminate information to your players. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I guess it depends on how much work you want to invest in describing things that through the eyes of a familiar. Because the thing was, uh, many big two-legged things stink, <laughs> smell. I think I do not like. I think that, that I think it one depends on how the, if the player misuses it too many times. Right? Oh, that's definitely. And the GM is gonna is gonna <laughs> adjust the way that they give you information through the familiar, right? Oh, oops, the orc killed it. <laughs> I mean, you know, different things like that. Uh, I, and I think that, that comes with with the mean. with the territory of players wanting to have these familiars and animal companions it gives them the ability to do extra things because that's part of the way they created their character right oh yeah but it also is going to bring along those things like a cat or a the badger whatever your familiar Ooh. is is not going to look at a, a camp full of orcs if you're a first level or second level person, when do you get a familiar? Do you have to be a certain level? I think it might be a third level spell, but I don't know. So, but but if it's been with you for ten levels, say, oh, yeah, say yeah, you're thirteenth yeah. level, then maybe it does tell you that I see big legs. They smell like and look like the last ones we killed, <laughs> right? You killed. I would. I don't know how how I would play it, but I think it wouldn't be this familiar that can tell you. Anything and everything, right? Right. Be, I, I think it would, I, even though it's intelligent. There would be limitations. Yeah, I would put limitations yeah. on that. It wouldn't understand every language you know. I mean, <laughs> that's his, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm st- speaking Atlantean. Well, then you see the cat sitting on the wizard's shoulder reading the books with him to cast spells, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, he becomes, he becomes a wizard himself. <laughs> and cast familiar, and he'll have a <laughs> Because... Uh, I saw this in a movie. I think it was called Beastmaster. Now, you got to remember that when you when you are a, a GM and you allow people to have familiars, and even animal companions to a certain extent, but not quite, but familiar because you can give them instructions and they'll follow what you tell them to do, more or less, is that they can, uh, they can really impact the game, right? Like if you take the wizard prisoner and he's tied up in the basement, well, his weasel, you could tell those weasel companions, hey, come down here. And let's say Weasel can go into a basement. Uh, he might be able to. I don't know. Uh, depending on how, if they have windows in the basement or not. And then he could like chew through the ropes and free your free the player. And you're like, damn, I hadn't thought about that happening. So there's things you have to consider that might affect your game and your adventures and what your adventures are like and how the players solve those adventures when they have an animal companion that is very handy, like a weasel could shoot the rope. I figure it might take 10 minutes, but you could do it. And I saw that from Beastmaster because he's tied up somewhere and he controls these two, well, he has these two weasels that are that are his... Uh, were they weasels or ferrets? I think that. Oh, is there a difference? I know they're all from the weasel family or ferret family. I they were small. They look cute. So I don't know. Was the, was the ferret bigger? At the, no. The, weasel bigger? the weasel's bigger. Yeah, I think they were ferrets. Yeah. yeah. Like the ones that were at the, yeah. your friend's uh, yeah. nature center. So I think you got to always keep that in mind. And, the, and that players will exploit anything and everything 
to the utmost extent that they can push the limits to. And animal companions, I mean, and animal familiars are very much in that realm. Because let me tell you, a wizard or or player, a character playing a, one of those, a wizard or sorcerer, will definitely try to exploit that familiar as much as possible. Because <laughs> that's just the way they work. So what's the difference between that and an animal companion? Animal companion's a real animal. It might be a little bit smarter than its average, average uh, animal of its type, but for for the most part, it's just an animal that you befriend, or you magic magically befriend, like a ranger, right? A ranger can, and maybe a druid can have a animal companion. I'm not sure, depending on the rules and what edition. But there's also animal companions that you could like train yourself or or buy train like dogs, and horses, right? Uh, that you ride all the time. There is a, I don't think that it falls on an animal companion, but the paladin has a steed, at least in third edition and even in first edition, but I'm not sure about fifth edition. I don't know that steeds fall under animal companion. Yeah. I think that's just the horse you're riding. Well, a steed, is, yeah, but it could. Uh, it could be your specific. Yes, it could be like your horse. Like, I know, it wasn't uh like so, some Western, like Roy Rogers, he had a specific horse that supposedly you know he was very attached to and would save him every once in a while. Or like in you know Aragorn, right? And when that horse goes and saves him, would a normal horse go and save him? Probably not. But since he had this connection with the horse, and now that's call, that's animal handling or animal talking to animals, right? The because he talks to Doctor Doolittle. No, because <laughs> uh, he does. Talk, he, well, I don't know. Does he really talk to it? I mean, he calms him down. He does talk to it, I guess. But the horse doesn't talk back. Of course not. It's a horse. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Where an animal familiar would talk to you back. I wonder if you could have an animal familiar that's a horse. Oh, that's a pretty big familiar. That is huge familiar. So, but, but let's say animal companions are real animals that you just are well trained. You can well train them. You, you and, can be emotionally attached to them and they'll be emotionally attached to you. And you've had people like Ian likes to have an animal companion. Yes. Wait, when was he playing a ranger or a, or a druid or he must have been playing a ranger? I think he was playing a druid because I don't think I've ever seen him play a ranger. I don't know if it's a spell. I think there's a spell where you can befriend. I think you have animals. to be a certain level, and I've because I I did a ranger with one of my gnome characters, but uh, I never made it that far. <laughs> I could talk to animals, but. I didn't have a companion. Oh, yeah. And, well, uh, uh, gnomes, depending on what gnome you have, you can actually talk to little animals. Yeah. And and though you don't really control them, you can kind of try to convince them of doing things and stuff like that. Yeah, I remember that. Right. I, I remember um, when I ran a game for some kids at a convention, a little girl wanted to have a, a unicorn as an animal companion. <laughs> and I told her she that she could have a unicorn, but... It couldn't do anything other than just go with her, and because I had no idea how to how it, it was, a, she was a little kid, right? So I go, you can have your your unicorn, but um, the unicorn is not going to do too much, which she was fine with because she just wanted the unicorn with her. Just to ride it, just to have it. Oh, just to have it. Yeah, she was six. I wasn't going to take the unicorn away from her. <laughs> well, she never had a unicorn or whatever. Yeah. Can I have a unicorn? Oh, you, it won't do anything. Oh, it's okay. I just want it next to you. 
like carried it like under her arm. A little mini. No, it was a, it was a, a wall. It was a full size. Oh, unicorn. okay. Unicorns are magical, so whatever. I'm okay with that. But she was six, so if your 30 year old player wants to have a unicorn, then there's going to be rules. Well, yeah, because I think they do have some magical abilities and they're extra intelligent and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, and they're, I supposedly they don't. I, I don't know. This is might come from the movie. What was the name of that movie? I forgot the name of the movie. But it's the one with the. Uh, is it the one? I don't remember. If, is it the one with the? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I know. I know. Is it an old movie? Yeah. I think it's Legend. Legend. Could, could, could be. Uh, is that the one with the, the singer? What's his name? David Bowie? Yes. Is that the one with the singer? Legend? I don't know the name of the movie. Well, in, in, in that movie, Unicorn is a super magical being, right? And and I think he wants to kill it or something. And Harry Potter unicorns are super magical beings, too. Oh, were there unicorns in Harry Potter? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. So I, I think... As a, a six-year-old kid, let her have the unicorn. But as a 30-year-old person, they probably know that they're super magical beings, right? So they might exploit that a little bit more than the little girl did. That is cute. <laughs> I, remember, I remember. I still remember that table. You were surrounded by children. I was like, OMG. And most of them were the girls, as I remember. They got whatever they wanted. They were happy. <laughs> <laughs> so animal companions, yes, I think. They're similar to a familiar, but they're different in the fact that you don't control them and they don't, they don't, you can't see through their eyes and all these special things that you could do with a familiar, but they can be very helpful. Like somebody said, yeah, like that it was on Reddit that one of his players bought a bunch of dogs and they had them trained. So you would go everywhere with a pack of dogs and right. And like, so they wouldn't even like set up uh, guards, right? They would just let the dogs. <laughs> Guard the camp, guard us, and then and then they would use he would use them for attacking, right? Because they were like they had stats and stuff, and so they would be able to do attack. So he's like, so finally the GM said, "I had enough of that crap." So I tell him, "You can't have a pack of dogs everywhere you go." I don't think he killed the and, dog, and that to me is the 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 issue with having animal companions, right? The player is going to. Uh, go as far as they can, and you really have to set rules on on what they can do, right? It depends on your it depends on your players, right? Like like some players, okay, like me, like in uh, the One Ring, if you play a a, a woodsman, you can have a great a great dog, a, a big old huge dog, uh, a wolfhound, they yeah. call it, right? Something like that. I, I guess it's like an Irish wolfhound, Irish this, or Scottish wolfhound. Yeah. These, it's a huge dog, right? Yeah. That, that that is your companion, and it'll do certain things for you. Yeah, it'll distract the enemy and this and that, and will attack and do stuff for you. I mean, it's a major part of your character. You with this dog, turn you have to feed it because it's huge. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Yeah, right. I never thought about that. And as you gain experience, you can use experience to give your dog special abilities. Well, it will be able to interact better with you and stuff like that. But I don't think I ever exploited the dog. I mean, I just thought it was cool that I forget that I, I called it a certain name. Uh, probably, I don't remember what I called it. Wolfie? No, no. It was a little bit more thought out than that. But anyway, so I we there's obviously rules in different games for animal companions in that sense. And I really liked it. I really, I, I don't know. I just, I just uh, had this fascination with that character and that that dog because it would, uh, it would help me out. And then it would once in a while, you know, for the most part, it would stay out of the game, right? 
until either I mentioned it or the GM would say, oh, what is, what is your dog doing? I go, oh, he's just going to sit in the camp, hang out. But I could use him for, like, guarding, and I could use him to, like, warn me for if he sensed anything and stuff like that. I, it was really neat. I really liked it. I really, and, but I, I was, I'm not the type of player that will abuse that kind of thing, like, use it for everything and anything. But I can see where players, like you said, they will exploit things and push it to the furthest they can, as much as they can get. Well, and D&D has specific rules for animal companions. Okay, yeah. Especially when it comes to combat. Like, they are an NPC, so as you're coming upon combat, you usually roll initiative, and usually you roll initiative for yourself and your right. animal companion. Right. A lot of people have a problem with this because the it confuses people i i read and i'm like i don't know how it confuses people but whatever so like they have house rules like whatever your initiative is that's your animal that's companions initiative initiative too but there is a rule and i know i think it's 3.5 or or 3 or pathfinder well it could be pathfinder but no i think it was maybe it's D 3rd edition where the animal companion gets to act first when you come upon combat huh. but the person isn't doing it the gm the, controls the gm them. controls ah. and a lot of people didn't don't like that because then what it, it's not in their control they're not doing it well i mean how much control do you have over an animal companion especially if you're coming upon combat right it's gonna act. animals are gonna act are gonna instinctively do stuff even if they're trained Right, or it, you might it might do something that you don't want it to do. Like maybe you don't want the dog to attack because this thing is a freaking, you know, is a monster, right. right? And you don't want your dog to get hurt, right? And the dog is instinctively going to try to protect you, right? So the GM might say, "Well, it's going to attack. I don't want to attack." Well, it gets attacked first. Sorry, <laughs> and then there goes your dog, and like crying and ensues, and you killed my dog <laughs> uh, kind of conversations but i mean that would be a real sinister gm but the idea of putting the dog in danger is something i probably would do now i probably wouldn't attack the dog like as but a you'd put it out in front i would put it out in front so it would be a concern for the player and and then the player would have to either deal with it or let the dog do whatever it's going to do like he would have to take a turn or i don't know i mean you start talking about weird stuff but I mean, how much is it? A, how much actions does it take for you to tell your dog to back away, or to whatever? I was reading about this, and <clears throat> and most people's way of just they go. Most people don't play this way. Most people just let the player control the animal companion right. and on its initiative or their initiative, depending on how people can manage to figure out what initiative is. Yes, yes. And, and we could talk about, other than fantasy, animal companions. I, I was thinking about Shadowrun, and I know this might be a stretch, but a rigger is something that controls things, right? They usually oh, control yeah. cars and by remote control. And one of the things that there's, there's a hell of a lot of things in, in Shadowrun are drones, right? Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of drones, the specific kind of drones. There's like drones that look like flies, tiny things. There's drones that carry cameras. There's drones that carry guns. And of course, there's, they get bigger and they're very specialized and make different types Rigger's of drones. like the small drones, though, so they can get in and see stuff. Well, it depends on what depends they're, on using, what they're but, yeah. using it for. Yeah, I mean, to attack, they would want to use a bigger drone. But re to, for reconnaissance, I think that small drone, drone. Yes, of course. 
Drones. Drones. I wanted to say droids for some reason. It's almost the same. So when when I look at the riggers in, in or anything that you can control in Shadowrun, like a drone that can you can kind of take the place of an animal companion in a sense that why people use animal camp companions and how they use them. They usually use them to investigate, to reconnaissance is a good word. I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought of that, but that, that's what they do. Get the lay of the land and stuff like that. Go into a dark warehouse. Right. All right. Now it could be your weasel or it could be your drone. It depends on, on what genre you're, you're in. And like a familiar, a drone you can you can go in with either uh what is it augmented reality or I forget what total immersion reality right you could see through the eyes of the drone yeah as you're connected to this thing and and you can see what's in there yourself without having it to be communicated through like television or something like that or on your lenses or your glasses uh, I I think you're I think a drone would be more like an animal companion really whereas like if you're a technomancer. A technomancer? Technomancer. You would use like a, you go in, you send them in little sprites to do things for you in the Matrix, right? You're right. So that might be more like a familiar where it goes and it does it. Or maybe that, I don't know, where it goes and does it. It's not telling you anything. It's just doing what you told it to. Right. Get this piece of information and bring it back to me. Okay. I'll go do that. Or destroy that. Or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how powerful sprites are. I think you can make them. It depends have... on how much, how much, uh, it would be called sleaze, how much sleaze you put into it, right? Right. As a technomancer, you're going to get bounced back. You're going to have to make a roll so you don't knock yourself out of... I don't uh, think they call it sleaze in, in the, for a technomancer. I think it's called fade or something like that. Oh, I think you're right. Sleaze is for riggers. No, sleaze is for deckers. Deckers. Or, yeah, hackers. You're right. I, I, I still think that because of, of the information you're getting from your drone is very specific... Like you could actually see through the drone's eyes, it seems more familiar-ish to me. And how much control you have over your drone, right? You can have total control of your drone, like almost you have over familiar, and not quite as much. Uh, you do have control. total control over the drone because you're 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 controlling you're, you're it. Controlling. Yes, but you somebody might try to take control away from you, right? Yeah, by hacking well, it. Most likely, someone was going to shoot it down. There's <laughs> always that. I envision that being kind of similar to Animal Companion, so it's not just a fantasy. Element in Star Wars, would that be like R2D2? Yeah, you're right. That would be like, because uh, uh, R2D2, you want nobody plays R2D2, he's just your he's just there doing well, stuff. I, I don't you know, could, you could play a droid in Star Wars, I think, nowadays, but but uh, more like a it would be more like a C3PO, yeah, that you would you're right. play or because uh, like, R2D2 just goes, ah, ah, ah. Uh, yeah, he whistles and stuff. You're right, I think he because Luke Skywalker doesn't really see through, right. He only like gets information from him, so he'd be more like an animal companion than a familiar. But you're right; I had not thought of Star Wars and and that as a as an animal companion like thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely R two D two because he's attached to him for life, right? And Luke Skywalker is definitely attached to the R two D two. Oh yeah, right. I mean, he like worries about him and all this other stuff, and and is with him throughout the actually longer than. <laughs> he lasts longer than Luke Skywalker does. I mean, alive longer, because he was—he wasn't he attached to Anakin, Darth Vader, dude, right? When when did they meet? When he well, shoot, I, I'm confusing the movies. You are confusing the movies. Yeah, I am confusing the movies. Because he was a droid that was with uh, Princess Leia, and then ah, oh, that's right. 
And then in the prequels, though, when does R2D2 come in? I don't know. You're, you're, it's too early in the morning to be asking me Star Trek facts, okay? It's Star Wars. I'm sorry. Star Wars. <laughs> if I actually asked you for Star Trek facts, you probably know those better. That's probably actually, I hate true. To, I hate to say. But I think, uh, you know, when we talk about animal companions and, and familiars, you can extend that to other genres other than just a fantasy world. That's what I'm basically I'm trying to say right now is that you're right. I hadn't thought of R2-D2, but yeah, definitely he would be an animal companion. And a droid, I mean, a drone under a rigor and shadow run would kind of be more like a familiar because you can see through the eyes and have total control over the drone like you would almost like a familiar. So I think... And you still have to worry. You would still feel bad, too, if it got shot down. The drone or... or, or The drone. Well, R2-D2, of course. I don't know about the drone. No, No, you would. You would feel bad because then you'd have to buy another one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, Ian is too uh, emotionally attached to his drones when he played the rigger. I don't think he was. And just like drones, I mean, just like familiars or animal companions that can help you out, as a GM, you got to remember that they can, like R2-D2, right? R2-D2 can help save the day. You're imprisoned in the in the slime pit of the garbage compactor, and he can stop it and let open the doors. Yeah. If somebody didn't have that animal, that robot companion, let's say, robot yeah. companion, or R2-D2, how are they going to get out of there? They got to figure out a way to get out of there some other way. That's a an example of when you would want the droid to help you. Well, yeah, 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 but let's say let's say the point of the GM was thinking, ah, they're gonna try. To- I, I don't think that there's another way to get out of that trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about in in the? You're right. They were pretty much screwed. In, yeah, I think. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I can't think of anything. That, I can't think of anything. But maybe your players might think of something to get out of that situation. Who knows? I don't know. But I think it's pretty cool. I think, like I said, you can use. Uh, animal companions can be very, very helpful, and it depends on the genre. They can do more than just transport you or guard you. They could actually communicate with the uh, other things of its ilk. In this case, other droids, right? Yeah. And the computer systems, and the can talk to the Millennium Falcon, right? The, the hyperdrive isn't working. Uh, why isn't it working? I don't know. It's not hooked up. <laughs> oh, you want me to hook it up? thinks R2-D2 he goes over there not expecting it and they go into hyperspace and Darth Vader isn't happy as I remember there you go but Darth Vader's hardly ever happy no that's the whole (laughs) character so I think what I'm trying to say is like and I'll say it again is that animal companions and familiars can be outside of just that fantasy realm And and I hadn't thought of Star Wars but I did think of of Shadowrun, and I'm sure there's other games uh, out there that are not D&D that have this kind of element inside the in the rules. And even if they're not in the rules, you can easily add them in whatever game you're using, whether it's Star Wars. You could have, I don't know if there's any, any like modern day game uh, games that or movies or shows that where they have animals that help them out. Can't think of any that come to mind. The only thing I can think of is the crocodile from uh, Miami Vice. But Elvis didn't really do much. He just kind of <laughs> kept people away from his boat. Wow. That's, that's a deep dive, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> yeah. You're not talking with some simpleton over here. <laughs> I got a lot of trivial information in this head of mine. I really like the idea of animal companions and familiars. Uh, 
I think they're pretty cool. I think you think they're pretty cool too. I think they're pretty cool. I I think that it makes the GMs down his toes at, yeah. or come up with the ideas and telling the player directly, this is what you can and cannot do. Well, you played a sorcerer for a long time. You never came up with Fine Familiar. I mean, you never. No, I never. No. You never looked at that. No, I never. I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> did you just not see Fine Familiar, or did you just look at it and go, "Eh, it's not my thing." I think Ian had an animal companion right when we were playing, so I didn't really need oh, you one. Add, and, add a, another and animal. To I that. didn't need. It, it seemed like too much work for me. <laughs> well, there is that. There is a little bit of more. Uh, what is it? The, the player house. has to. The player has to really, really want that, right? To take the time to do a deep dive into what they can and can't do and what they want. Right. Because versus it, it, me going, yeah, no. I'm okay. I don't I need got, that. I, I don't roll, need that extra stuff. I got a roll initiative again and have two initiatives. No, that's not. No, no, no. And have a complete separate character sheet for my animal companion slash <laughs> familiar. No, you're right. I can see that that process in the decision making for you. <laughs> I th I think a lot other people would gladly take the pros of the of the animal companion slash familiar for the. For the, the negative of having to do extra paperwork. <laughs> I hope that this gave you some ideas if you want to have an animal companion and or familiar. Right. And just don't think of it as a D&D &D or, uh, yeah, as a D&D &D thing. It can go into other genres. Now everybody who plays Shadowrun is going to think of the as dr little drones as uh, familiars. I think you can even get like an animal. Yeah, that I think Ian had some something that looked like a fly one time, or a really really tiny one drone that. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I think you could actually get like an animal. Yeah. I. I. I don't know. I think you can. I. I. I would be really suspicious of a <laughs> wizard with a, a magician with an animal in Shadowrun. It might turn into something and kill me. <laughs> okay. So. So, so yeah. there you go. <laughs> this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul Angeline and you have a good day